everybody, Randy here. Before I get into today's conversation, I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, and that is Rapsodo, R-A-P-S-O-D-O. They make uh, these very cool mobile launch monitors. Essentially, uh, think about those you know twenty thousand uh, dollar launch monitors that you see the pros lugging around to the driving range. Essentially, you can have that technology, and I'm talking like accurate information within two percent of that twenty k technology for less than three percent of the cost. They have an app which automatically tracks stats and stores video with Shot Tracer right on your phone. Uh, it's super helpful for club gapping, understanding true distances, and just making your practice better. Uh, and trust me, as somebody who practices all the time, uh, this is very important. I would ch- encourage everybody to check out uh, rapsodo.com backslash NLU. That's R-A-P-S-O-D-O.com backslash NLU. Right now, listeners use the code NLU on their website, and you can get $50 off uh, your very own mobile launch monitor. We thank Rapsodo very much for sponsoring this episode of The Trap Draw, and now on to my conversation with Jerry Fultz. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Trap Draw Podcast. My name is Randy. I want to thank my guest, Jerry Foltz. This episode came about directly on the heels of last weekend's Diamond Resorts Classic on NBC. I had um, said my thoughts on Twitter, and, and we had a nice back and forth. Before we get into all that, though, I want to introduce Jerry. Uh, Jerry joined the Golf Channel in 1999, He's covered every tour there is since that time uh, in a variety of roles. He's currently, and Jerry, jump in here and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, currently on-course reporter for both the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour broadcasts. Is, is that right? That's correct, but the more the LPGA schedule keeps growing, it, it limits my time out with the, with the guys. Gotcha. Uh, and you yourself, you played professionally. You won on uh, what is Corn, now the Corn Ferry Tour. I played very poorly for 10 years, yes. But oh. I did win one time, which was a really bad week for 143 other guys. Well, it was the 1995 Nike South Carolina Classic. I don't think anybody could forget that. So um, that's, <laughs> you know, that's that's not nothing. And uh, it, you also played collegiately out at the University of Arizona. So I guess my first thing, Jerry, thank you so much for making the time, for being available. I look forward to hopefully learning a lot about the – what goes into producing an LPGA event specifically. And, um, you know, I hope I can get into some of my concerns and, and we can have a, a real respectful conversation about what I saw last weekend, but I, I don't want to just focus on last weekend. I'd love to ask you some more broad questions as well about uh, the LPGA tour. Anything you'd like. And I, I want to say, first of all, thank you for having me on. This is like the culmination of my broadcasting career, according to my 24-year-old son. No, seriously. I know I see that face. We're doing this through Zoom. Um, 
he literally, you guys mentioned my name during a podcast a while back and said a nice thing or two. And he listens to him every day while he's working. He's an engineer up in Atlanta. And he's listened to every one of your podcasts, by the way. He told me last night. And he said, Dad, all right, now you're now you're cool. You, you weren't cool before, but now you're cool. Then when he found out I was coming on with you, he thought it was the greatest thing ever because in his words, the your podcast, the No Laying Up Trap Drop podcast, is the one that real golfers listen to. Not the guys who are out, you know, the the uh, basement warriors behind the keyboard and what have you, but he said the one real golfers listen to. So and I, it was nice that I haven't seen you guys since the KPMG up at Hazel team when we did the walk through the compound. So you have, you have more of an idea how TV works than anybody else doing what you're doing. Yeah. Well, first of all, that's exceedingly uh, kind praise from your son. Please give him my best. Uh, let me know where we can send a, a shirt and a hat. Perhaps uh, we'll, we'll get him taken care of on, on that front. <laughs> That was actually a highlight. You mentioned the KPMG. That was the, uh, oh gosh, 2019. It feels like 10 years ago. Yes. Solly and I got to walk through the, the production truck and um, just get a peek behind the massive operation that is broadcasting uh, a golf event. And so I, I think off the top, that's, I, I want to I say a couple things just outright. You know, the, the reason why we're talking today is I, I was pretty critical of the production from last Sunday, the Diamond Resorts Classic. But I, but I want to preface that by saying, honestly, that's like the first time I've really felt that, uh, you know, I don't know if anger, anger is probably too strong of a word. I, I was frustrated um, at, at a broadcast, and, and that's never happened to me before, uh, watching the LPGA specifically. you got to watch golf with me sometime. I scream at the TV endlessly about different things that I know could be better. And it's not, you know, not, it's not just other entities, our entities as well, when I'm watching. But I know all the people behind the scenes, and I know why most of that stuff happens. But to, before you get into the, the uh, last week, um, really quickly, you mentioned that you got to see the massive amount of work that goes into the KPMG. Now, that's a big big show and mm -hmm. uh and golf really is the hardest sport to cover on tv and i think it's important to understand that because all other sports almost all other sports are one ball one arena a bunch of cameras following the ball it's, it's basically that easy um it's not that easy yeah there's a lot of talented people doing it but it's a different thing we have 18 different arenas we have two or three arenas on each of those 18 different holes and, and we have multiple balls uh, in the air at the same time. So that is what makes it so complex and such an orchestra. And it's amazing that we're able to get it on at all, to tell you the truth. And, and we do it and everybody does it day in and day out like it's nothing. Well, let's, let's start right there because I think the KPMG, in my opinion, is if not – the best run LPGA event. Like I, talking to players, it's I, I know the the KPMG folks. Just in terms of um, how important they make that event feel, right? With courtesy cars and the venue and and all the little things that go into creating a, an atmosphere of wow, this is a big event. And I also think that translates to the broadcast. I, I think it, it's the event that feels most like a you know, you, you could put that broadcast side by side with some of the, even the major broadcasts on the men's side, right? And, and so I'm curious, what what's the difference between a KPMG broadcast and, for instance, a, a Diamond Resorts uh, broadcast in, in terms of, you know, yeah. the, the, the resources and the, and the production that goes into it? It's it's the individual contracts with the individual sponsors per tournament. Now, for a standard LPGA event, there is basically a blueprint 
type of coverage, which has all been obviously streamlined because COVID has, uh, has restricted us a great deal on our, on our ability to put together what we want. But we, we, I think we do, I think we do a great job with what we got, but um, you know, I'm not here to basically pat ourselves on the back. Uh, KPMG is a, is a huge show. It's a bigger budget. KPMG is probably the best sponsor, maybe next to AIG in women's golf right now. And it's not just the money they put behind it. It's the respect the ladies feel when they step on property. And that makes a huge, huge difference. Not that they're disrespected anywhere else, but they feel a lot more appreciated there and a lot more respected than, than perhaps others. And that's just the budget that KPMG is able to put forward. KPMG and John Biemeyer, who's no longer in charge, but uh, it was under his tutelage and under his direction that they, they made the corporate decision to not just talk the talk in terms of equality and, and all those things that corporate America like to pat themselves on the back about. They wanted to walk the walk and they did it through women's golf. And, I, and that makes a huge difference, not only in the tournament, but also in the budget, quite honestly, for the, for the broadcast. So I, I think we can go a couple of different ways. I, I, I was going back and forth and I, I guess I'll put it to you. Do, I, I don't want this to be just me complaining uh, solely about last oh, Sunday please. because be, no, well we're be, not complaining we're educating you. and and I want to and I want to preface that by saying that this was a total one-off experience for me that this is not something I see week after week so let, let's just dive into last let's Sunday into it. it was let's get into your frustration yeah let's get into it. Uh, okay all right so uh here here's where I'll start um Solly interviewed uh Mike Wan the other week for on the no laying up podcast and he said priority one is getting the LPGA Tour uh, more network broadcast opportunities. And he said this year there's going to be probably about 10 network broadcasts. And, and by network, meaning NBC as opposed to Golf Channel. Right. NBC, and, CBS, ABC, even Fox. Yes. Correct. Correct. So with that in mind, uh, the Diamond Resorts is the Saturday, Sunday, both had coverage. Uh, on NBC. I, I hope people understand this was, you know, one of 10 opportunities throughout 2021 to put the the women on uh, what their commissioner, Mike Wan, says is the most important platform. So here's my frustration. I, I Appointment viewing for me, Sunday especially, we have a final group that I'm not sure if you could have handpicked a better final group. You have the, the Corda sisters, Jessica and Nellie. You have Danielle Kang. Three Americans, uh, 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 Sunday afternoon, uh, American broadcast on NBC. And thanks to, I want to shout out Mark Leach at LeachGolf87, who broke down uh, the broadcast. When, when the coverage went to NBC, that first half hour, what viewers saw were, in, in, in 30 minutes, I saw six full swings from LPGA players and I saw six putts from LPGA players in, in the first 30 minutes. And so I guess that's where my frustration uh, began was I, I'm just thinking how many people are tuning in. Um, you got dads with daughters. You got people new to the LPGA. I, I, I just feel like that first impression matters so much. And in, in the first 30 minutes, it's commercials, it's celebrity shots, and it's not much women playing golf. There's a number of factors into that, and then it's, it was a unique broadcast, a unique uh, format, to say the least. And two years ago, when it was announced that Diamond Resorts was going to take in the LPGA and make this a, an LPGA tournament, everybody thought it was a great idea to have, you know, try new formats. Everybody's always preaching that. Um, 
So that's that's the first point. Second point is we were uh, scheduled to go commercial free for the last half hour on NBC, which basically means, and you'll see this across the board in sporting events, uh, usually they're longer than two hours, so it's not so obvious, but we'll front load commercials a little bit. So we have that uh, last half hour um, where you can be commercial free. Mike Flasky, the CEO of Diamond Resorts, also gave up some of his inventory, his ad time, so we could go commercial free. Now, Mike Wan told you the most important goal going forward is to get more hours on network, and that I couldn't agree with him more. But he'll also tell you the most important person at every single tournament is the guy writing the checks. And he's had that mentality since he took over, and I hope the, the next commissioner does the same. This tournament started off as a celebrity event. We're fortunate to have it on the LPJ schedule, but the celebrity aspect is huge, and it's huge to Mike Flasky. The reason the pairings were the way they were is because they, the celebrities had asked to be able to see their closest competitors on Sunday. So instead of having, like last year, we had two LPJ players and a celebrity in the last group and the second to last group and the third to last group. So the celebrities couldn't really keep an eye, and there, you know, there aren't that many scoreboards out there, on their competitors. So they made, and it turned out to be a great final pairing when they decided to do it this way. Um, but the celebrity aspect is huge to Mike Lasky. And, and from a viewer standpoint, our ratings were up 10% uh, for the entire package, 29% on Golf Channel year over year. And it was the most watched time of this event since we put it on the air. Um, that, doesn't, that doesn't alleviate your frustrations, I know. Um, we didn't see, we didn't miss from the time we came on NBC. We missed one drive of Nelly Corda. I believe it was on 13. But other than that, all of their golf shots were shown live. And typically on a Sunday, we don't show players who aren't in contention. And the only three that were in contention were in that final group. It was unique format, unique situation. But uh, that was it. <laughs> one of my favorite one of my favorite movies is is Dumb and Dumber. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Uh, you and John Smoltz. <laughs> That's his favorite movie. He can quote it, recite it verbatim. Well, there's the scene towards the end where uh, where they shoot. Uh, Lloyd in the chest, right? In, in the hotel room. And and Harry turns to him and says, Lloyd, what if they would have shot you in the face? And I, I guess, you know, seeing Jessica Corda shoot a, a back nine 28 on Saturday, she she shot 60 overall to, to vault into contention. Uh, what what happens if an NG Chun shoots a back nine, you know, 29 or 30, and all of a sudden is, is right there? W was there any way that you guys could have captured that or was was the decision oh, yeah, made we had, no we had all of all of her relevant shots were in a camera as you know you've been in the truck you can choose to see that but if it and typically in a situation like that if they're not contending we will tape their shots and if it's a great shot we'll show it to you i mean a golf broadcast is probably at least 50 or 60 percent taped shots the sunday wasn't actually every producer strives to, make, to show as much live golf as they can but yeah we had NG Chun every single shot she hit, I'm sure. Maybe not a few of the tee shots, but I'm sure we had every single shot she hit in the tape machine. But if she, it, it, it's not a great shot, or she's not making birdie, not making a move, then we don't really – I don't think any producer really sees the point in showing it just to, just to show you another golfer because it's not relevant to the story, the drama. You, 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 know, you, you watch for, the, for who's winning by Sunday. That's what it's all about. It was – had the players been in different groups, I think it would have felt a little more traditional from jumping back and forth to different groups, as opposed to having all three of them in the last group and the only three who have a chance to win. So this, the celebrities, I, I totally understand their importance, and I get that um, 
I get that they're value adding to the tournament. I guess where I I and I I'll be fully transparent. I don't know if I'm on the in the minority on this or not, but I the the Pebble Beach Pro Am is is one of my least favorite telecasts Thursday through Saturday all year on the PGA Tour because it's it's so heavy on the celebrities. And then finally Sunday they actually focus on the PGA guys. That's my feeling when it comes to celebrities. And and that was my feeling during this telecast was Great that these these largely men, but you know, Annika was in the group, and I, I don't know if there were other women as well. Um, you know, I, I'm sure they add value to the to the fans that are there. I don't see, I don't get the value they add to viewers, especially on Sunday. But are, do you guys have information? Is that something where you know you you have data that like, hey, no, actually, more people than not like want to watch the celebrities. I'm I'm curious about that. I think more people in person want to watch the celebrities. And I think my son hit the nail on the head when he said that their podcast is the one that real golfers watch. Cause what you just said defines you as a real golfer, a real fan of golf. And that's what you guys have always portrayed in your, in your work. Um, celebrity golf can be tough to watch, especially when they're celebrities you're really not familiar with. Now, I don't know anybody who didn't want to see Aaron Hicks hit another driver. That guy was just absolutely amazing. Flying at 340, 360 on Saturday, he blew it on one hole. And with a gorgeous golf swing, if the guy had stuck with golf growing up instead of going to baseball, I guarantee he'd be a superstar on the PGA Tour. But when you're built like that, you don't play golf as a kid. All the other coaches are trying to draft you in. But um, – I think there is an element that people are going to listen to your podcast or are going to agree with you. But those events, AT&T and this, are, are geared to perhaps draw the non-AVID fan to watch. Um, and, and I think the numbers show that they did. And I think they enjoy that. Now, uh, if it were John Smoltz and Aaron Hicks battling it out down the stretch, like, uh, like last year when I was following Smoltz in the last group when he was trying to clinch it, it was compelling. As it turns out, Marty Fish was unbeatable and it wasn't compelling. But if you had two guys who, you know, a lot of the of the sports world would recognize instantly, um, that then they, I think the fan, you would have been even a little more intrigued with than you are as a true golf fan and not a fan of maybe watching celebrity golf. I'm, you know, I watched the Tahoe event to see Charles Barkley because it's fun. And, uh, and I watch, I, I watch AT&T because I know all the guys on the crew and, and you can't beat the scenery. And I got to play in that event twice and, uh, and have some great memories from it. But yeah, I, I would much rather watch pure golf. No question about it. Well, let me ask you this then. The, the, the folks, and I don't doubt folks enjoy watching, um, you know, Aaron Hicks and Marty Fish. And, and this is no slight against that. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm a huge Marty Fish fan. I just, I just didn't want to see him, you know, Sunday playing golf. Uh, I, I, I'm curious though, let's say the folks do like watching those people. My concern is how, how does that translate into building interest for the LPGA and, and, and making people fans of women's golf? Because that's, I think that's ultimately the goal, right? We we got to get people to watch women's golf. We got to give them a reason to care. We got to get them invested, and then hopefully they become fans and start following the game in other places. And and I just don't. I, I'm having trouble, you know, buying that connection where oh we're gonna you know they'll tune in to watch Aaron Hicks and and John Smoltz and and they'll also become you know fans of of women's golf. I, I just don't find that link to be that that compelling to me. Um, well, yes, 
I, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I will say this, that, and when we interviewed him, and I know that's another point of contention for you, when we interviewed the celebrities to a person, all they talked about was how great these ladies are as athletes and as people. And I think that sells that part of the story, that, that connection you're trying to get out there a little bit to the viewer to, to give the women of the LPJ tour, the athletes, the most incredible athletes you can ever find in women's sports, uh, the credit and the respect that they deserve when it comes from a male celebrity, especially a sports star, that's impactful. Even a tweet from Kip Henley, 16 year long-term caddy, former player, great guy. And even a tweet from him about Nellie Corda saying it was the best ball striking round he has ever witnessed in person in 16 years of caddying on any tour. Uh, when he caddied in her group, I believe it was on Friday. That goes a long ways. And that's why that's why those interviews are so important to sell that story. And the other thing I have to keep har- uh, harping back on is that the tournament was a celebrity event first, and we're fortunate to have it on the LPGA schedule and have it on TV and have it on network. None of that's cheap. Mike Flasky is a, is a guy who, who wants it the way it is, and uh, it may not be for everybody, but um, once again, the numbers kind of kind of show that it did pretty well. I fully agree with you in that. You know, listening to the the one that stood out to me was um, the Larry Fitzgerald interview, right? Who's you know yeah, one absolutely. one of the yeah. best. What a great guy, by the way. Yeah, one you know one obviously one of the best wide receivers to to ever play the game. Uh, great athlete, avid golfer. I. <laughs> I think where it loses me, and again, this is this is my opinion, but I think where it loses me is hearing him speak to how impressed he is with the women's game. I, I just would have loved to have seen more women playing golf Sunday, right? I, and I, I get that, you know, they, they weren't necessarily in contention, but it, it goes back a little bit to the the name of the tournament being the Tournament of Champions, right? Uh, conceivably, these are 25 women that are among the best LPGA players uh, that there are. Certainly some of the, the Korean pe- players weren't there. Um, I, I just felt like there could have been more to showcase different players and, and, and really run with that theme that, you know, hey, women's golf is, like, they're awesome. And it's so impressive to watch. I, I was hearing that, but I, I, I wasn't seeing that, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, and again, it was uh, it's uh, the only thing I can offer in our defense is it was the structure. It was the three players in the last group, the three celebrities in the group in front of them, and then one player per group after that. When we, when we came on NBC, there were 10 LPGA players on the back nine. No, nine, no, nine LPGA players on the back nine. We came on NBC. We showed seven or eight of them. I believe it was seven. We might have shown eight of them. Um, by the time we went commercial free, which ended up being the last hour, there were one. There was one other LPGA player on the golf course at that time, other than the final group. So the format is what uh, I think adds to your frustration. But the format is imperative to this event, and uh, and I know that follow through Twitter. There are a lot of people that agree with you. But there are also a lot of people that liked the broadcast, liked the celebrity aspect of it, because it gives them a non-stale feeling of a golf broadcast, which can get stale from time to time when you're just watching the same thing day in and day out. Uh, and we try and, and, and you know embrace the viewer and, and create that interest and that drama through storytelling. Um, 
but sometimes, you know, there's, there's just not much to say. It's just the great golf that you're watching. And if you're a fan of great golf, you're going to watch anyway. But this, this feels a little, I think to some people, feels a little fresher than a standard LPGA event. Yeah. Um, I think the last commercial break was right after the, the leaders uh, hold out on 16. So that, that last... It was 4 o'clock. Yeah. yeah that, back from that break at 4.03 or, or 4.05, I think. Yeah. Um, no, wait, wait. Uh, 4.35, excuse me. We went off at 5.30. Right, because of the playoff. So I, even I, again, I feel like I'm I'm beating a broken record. But 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 just to give oh, some context, like just to give some context, the the last hour, uh, which was commercial free, my again my problem was we we saw we saw the three women they played the the par five seventeenth and the par three eighteenth, and then uh, obviously Jessica and Danielle played the eighteenth again in, in the playoff. And so in that last hour, there were there were 25 total shots, right? 11 full swings between um, drive, you know, drivers on 17, approaches on 17, and and tee shots on 18. And I, I think even more so than that, um, again, the the celebrity group in front of them. I don't know if they were playing slow or it just seemed like it was playing slow. But you know, you have Danielle and and Jessica hole out on 17, so they're going to 18 tee, tied for the lead on the 72nd hole of the tournament. And we wait nearly seven minutes to see them tee off on 18. And, and that's because these, these male celebrities are finishing up uh, on 18 ahead of them. And I just think uh, from a purely LPGA tournament perspective, like it just drained, for me, it just drained some of that natural drama from it because it seemed like the timing was just so screwed up where, you know, hey, they're coming off 17, a normal broadcast, they're marching right to 18 and and they're getting on with it. And it, it just, the, there was a lot of waiting going on, I guess, is is my is is my problem. Yeah, there was. There's a, a couple things there too. The uh, It's a shuttle ride from 17 to 18. It's about somewhere between a quarter and a half mile away, the way the course is designed. So it's a three or okay. four minute commute to get through the people on the bridge, in your car, in your limo cars with the volunteers driving, those gas-powered carts that Daniel Kang loved so much during the, <laughs> yeah. the, first, the final two rounds. They were so loud. I, I don't blame her one bit. Um, so that's part of it. Uh, secondly, the, the tournament, Mike um, Flasky and, and everybody with the tournament wanted 16 to be drivable all four days. It never has been that way before, just to create a little more drama. So that added a little bit more time there, a little late on the tee. 17 is the Aon Risk Reward Hole. So the LPGA this year decided, because that's such a huge initiative, uh, one of the few things that's the equal purse between men's and women's golf, um, they wanted that to be truly risk-reward and reachable for most players in the field. Uh, all the time. Now, in that time, there was only thing other only other thing we could have shown would have been Ng Chun tapping in for par in the last hole to finish fourth place, seven shots back. Um, we could have seen her, her. I'm sure we could have seen her tee shot if it was any good. We probably would have shown it, um, but I don't know what else was happening at that time. And that's a producer decision. And I'll, I'll put Beth Hutter up against anybody in the business when it comes to making those decisions as to what the fan wants to see, even the real golf fan, because that's what she is. She is so passionate about the product, but so passionate about golf. And, uh, and so that, I mean, there's a decision to be made there. I don't know uh, what else we could have uh, shown. Uh, I, I, I agree. In, in, in that moment, right, it was, it was to the point where you're, you're exactly right. There just wasn't anything else to, to show. And, and I guess that goes back to some of the decisions that, 
that led up to that point, I guess. But no, that's, you know, that's, that's point taken. I guess what I would ask you, is there, um, th- this is, this is admittedly off the cuff. How, how do like prepackaged segments work? Right. I, I, ju- I just, you know, there, there are 25 LPGA champions at this event. Um, there is some time to fill is there budget? Are there budget constraints? Are there time constraints? COVID constraints? Um, I, I just am thinking, like, you know, could you have mic'd some players up on the range and, and rolled in some like pre-produced range shots? You know, as they're coming down the stretch, I, I don't know what the answer is exactly, but just different avenues to, again, showcase the the women and their personalities and 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 really introduce them to to viewers. Yeah, um, and you're looking at it from a non-traditional standpoint in that regard. But so, and and we're challenged now moving forward with trying to look at golf telecasts in a non-traditional way to see how we can improve them. Uh, that isn't the cookie cutter mole. And we have uh, great people who dedicate their careers to that. And and our new boss, uh, our new boss from a live tournament standpoint, Ben Don. He's been tasked with that, and he's young and creative and energetic, and I think we will see stuff like that. But uh, in, in a nutshell, all of our focus groups for 27 years now have told us they want to see the live golf, live golf shot, live golf shot, live golf shot. Anytime we would cut away to, a, 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 you know, like a Jimmy Roberts essay, which he's brilliant at, and Rich Lerner, I mean, they're just incredible, or a personal interest story like that, uh, through the years, we've always been mandated, make it shorter, make it shorter, make it shorter. All right. They, they just don't work for our viewer. Um, so, and especially uh, coming down the stretch, uh, those are the type of things you roll in Thursday and Friday, like some of our cutesy features, caddy knows fast and this and that to get to know the players a little better. But when it's Saturday and Sunday, everything we've seen research wise says people want to see the drama. They want to see the live golf. They want to see what matters in this tournament. And count me, I certainly live golf is better than than you know not live golf. I, I assume people were happy with you know the the three final the the final group of celebrities and, and the final group of uh, LPGA professionals. It, do you think that will well from a from a competitor standpoint, everybody was happy with it. Um, from a viewership standpoint, not everybody was. From a uh, from a fan on the course standpoint, they were they were thrilled with it because the people who wanted to watch the golf, you know, there weren't that many out there, very limited number of guests, but it was really cool to have people out there. And they were so well-behaved, socially distant. Uh, a lot of them had a really good time, but they were smart about it. And I think it proved that we can introduce fans safely uh, in a safe way for everybody, the players and fans alike. Um, they weren't allowed anywhere near the players just for that exact reason. But, uh, yeah, the fans love the fans who were out there to watch Aaron Hicks at a golf ball, followed Aaron Hicks. Uh, many of the celebrities, when they finished, came back out to watch the golf as well. And, we, I mean, we had Lee Bryce, who actually turned Danielle Kang into a country music fan, <laughs> walking the final four or five holes with her um, and a few others as well. Do you guys, as a, as a crew, as a group, do you guys debrief? After each broadcast, do you, is there, I, I, and I don't know if that's something you're a part of or not, but is, is there a process by which a discussion, hey, what, you know, what do we think worked? What do we think didn't? What, you know, trying to capture viewer sentiment, as, as you mentioned. Uh, walk me through, what, what happens after a broadcast? Well, the, uh, the bosses do. They debrief every single broadcast. They write reports, they review reports, they talk to others. Um, we, from an on-air talking head standpoint, uh, we, we are consulted quite often, yes, uh, especially 
when something goes bad and we, and we, uh, and we get all sides of the story, but when something, we all give our opinion on stuff that we thought really worked well, uh, but that's just us. And, you know, we see it from a very insular, uh, myopic kind of view. Uh, we don't see it the way you see it. I don't see the broadcast. Sure. Uh, and the other on-course commentators don't. We have no idea what you're seeing. Even when we're talking about it, we don't know what camera shot they're on. So um, at least in our format, our format and NBC's format, CBS's on-course commentators do see what they're talking about because they both have TV monitors with them at all, almost all times. Uh, but that's just different uh, different production styles. But, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a debriefing. There is a lot of talk um, uh continually about how to improve, how to make things better, how to get the best bang for the buck, especially during these COVID streamlined restrictions we're under for. It's amazing we're able to present it on TV, in my opinion, um, but it is, it's a very streamlined crew across the board right now. I don't know if you can answer this, but did you have to show a certain amount of celebrity shots or was that a, a, just a, a pure decision on you know what, what we think works and what we think the, the majority of viewers like, or is that something where the sponsor might say, Hey, I, I would like, you know, X amount of broadcast time devoted to celebrities. Yeah, no, no, that's not, that's not in the contract at all. And it wasn't verbal either. And, and you know, Mike Flasky is so good to the tournament so good to us. We would, I'm sure we would make an effort to, 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 to create the broadcast the way he likes. Um, uh, but we can't do that day in and day out. And so we it obviously wouldn't be part of any, any conversation or any contract. Um, it, we, the decisions made to show shots on Sunday that matter, um, and, or shots of people winning, because if somebody's winning by 10 shots, as Marty fish was, he's still winning and it's still a big part of the event. So we're showing it and we show the other guys because quite honestly, it's either that, especially late in the broadcast, it's either that, or show the three leaders walking down the fairway. Um, you know, and usually when we take our commercial breaks, when we did, it's almost always when the last group tees off on par four or par five, and they're, they're aiming for 215. Never did we, we only had one break longer than two minutes and 30 seconds, and that was because we had an NBC update, and that was three and a half minutes. No, no commercial ran longer than that. And, uh, and so then you don't have to watch them walk down the fairway. But if we're, if we're not doing that, then you either – have a celebrity hitting the shot as some of the only other people on the course, or you're watching the players, the leaders walk down the fairway. So uh, it, it, in that respect, I don't know if it was ideal, but I, like I said before, I trust every decision that our producer Beth Hutter makes uh, to a team. We, Benny Don, my new boss asked me last week when we're talking about my schedule, he goes, and it was really cool. He goes, what do you want it this year? Which I've never been asked before. You know, I pretty much know my schedule before it starts, but, uh, I said, Benny, put me on any show Beth Hutter produces because I just have that much loyalty to her, and I think she's that good. I can't imagine how well I've I've gotten to see Tommy Roy at, at the KPMG, and um, I it I, I have no appreciation for her how hard the job is. I, I certainly will grant it's a very difficult job. Um, I, where if you'll allow me to complain about one more point, the one mistake I thought was right after Danielle Kang teed off on sixteen, the short par four. And her ball went way right. Um, there was some question about: Is it dead? Is it in play? Would they, you know, the camera didn't pick it up right away. At this point, you know, I believe it's a, a one-shot difference, maybe in the tournament. I, I was disappointed that, and, and you probably had to go to commercial then, but it, to to cut away with that uncertainty, 
And then on the backside of that commercial, it went right into like a, at least a minute long interview with a celebrity. And, and I feel like that was a moment that like that, that was the drama of the golf tournament a little bit right there. And, and so I, I think, again, if, if you're allowing me to complain about some, some specific things, that, that was another instance where I was, I was pretty disappointed. Yeah, Beth, um, I, Beth wouldn't have done that celebrity interview at that point if she thought we would miss anything with Danielle. But it was quite obvious at that point. And, and, you know, she's looking at what you're not looking at. She's looking at the monitors. She knows Danielle's going back and forth and getting a ruling and trying to decide which way to play it. Uh, we didn't miss anything there. Matter of fact, we stayed on it a heck of a long time when we finally did get back to it. So to be on it uh, initially when you got to it, you, you had to wait for the answer is what you're saying. And I, and I, I see that frustration. But um, at that point, we weren't quite sure what was going on uh, about where the TIO extended. I wasn't. And I'm you know decent at the rules of where it extended to and what her options were going to be. So um, if – there really wasn't a whole lot to tell you, except she's going to have a tough shot from there. And she's going to have a clear shot. And maybe we didn't get that point quick enough, but the point again of those celebrity interviews is to draw that connection between the celebrities and growing and, and women worth watching because all they did was sing the praises of the LPJ players. Yeah. And, um, I, and that's where, you know, you, you said it before I, I, I have, I want something different when I watch golf than, than other people. But I, I think in those moments of uncertainty and, you know, as Danielle's asking for a ruling and, and some caddy talk, like to me, that's, th that's the magic of televised golf, right? That, that takes me to the course, puts me in the action. Um, I, I, I get frustrated when it's just, Hey, we're going to cut here. We watch them swing and then we cut away. Right. It, it's that, that type of golf coverage I don't think is very interesting, right? It's just purely, okay, well, there's where the ball ended. We're going to go somewhere else. It's, I, I think it's those discussions and the uncertainty. That's what builds the drama of the actual tournament. So I, I wanted to, I, I wanted to express that, I guess. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's fair. It's everything about what you guys do is fair. And uh, even my son told me that he said, dad, they're going to ask you fair <laughs> unbiased questions. Um, now this is a little more biased because you're, you're frustrated with, with, uh, with the broadcast. And I'm just trying to help you understand why, what, what, what the source of your frustrations were, but what I, I would love to invite you guys out to any LPJ event, anytime our guests, uh, you know, even if you want to come down to uh, Lake Nona or Ocala, the next two events, uh, we'll get you on our med court list. We'll get you screened. We'll get you, you know, get you around, around and see everything. I, I think we might be able to, I don't know, get one person inside the truck at, at a distance wearing a mask to watch the work, but certainly post COVID anytime you want, because it's each producer does it differently. Tommy mm -hmm. Roy has his style and it is, it is really high energy. And if you miss anything, anything out there, it, uh, it's, 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 it's really cool to watch. She's so passionate about it. Uh, Beth has her style. Brant Packer has his style. Jesse West, uh, all of our producers have their, have their own little style, the way that's part of it, the way they learned who they grew up learning from in the business. And part of it's what they've developed. And, and Beth is, uh, Beth is a lot more laid back, but even though the voice is calm, that brain is going a million miles a minute the entire broadcast. Count count me in. Uh, we we would love to take you up on on that offer. We'll we'll make something happen. You know this this year with uh, when we work out our schedules. That's I I very much appreciate that. Um, I I I, I want to move beyond kind of nitpicking the the actual broadcast, and uh, I I'd love to 
talk, if we can, about the, the broader TV rights landscape of the LPGA as much as possible. And I guess where, where I would like to start is this past tournament, the Diamond Resorts, even being on NBC, uh, you know, I mentioned one of about 10 opportunities throughout the year for, for the LPGA to, to be on network TV. What, what's that process like? Talk to me about um, the commitment and what you know, Mike Flasky as as the the Diamond Resort CEO, uh, the the lead sponsor. W- what does he have to do to get that broadcast onto network television as opposed to Golf Channel? The the, the first hurdle to overcome is is the space available. Uh, John Miller, who I believe still is in charge of sports programming at NBC, scheduling from a scheduling standpoint. I mean, and, until the world went upside down because of COVID, he could tell you what was going to be on. Saturday at 3.30 p.m., January 6, 2026. He can tell you what's going to be on TV that time. So uh, getting the availability is probably the biggest hurdle to overcome. Um, and then after that that's, that, that's out of my pay grade. I know it's not free, um, but at least uh, on the LPGA, but it's all, it's all a process of we pay the rights fee, tournament pays production costs, or the tour pays production costs, and and keeping those numbers in line contractually to make it work for everybody. I, I don't know what the numbers are. I, I just know that it's not free. And I think that's just for listeners. And this was illuminating for me. Uh, what, what you're saying is the LPGA pays, uh, in this case, NBC, uh, for that two-hour broadcast window. Whereas uh, I think most people are used to, and, and certainly this is the case on the PGA Tour, but also you know the NBA, baseball, NFL, uh, the 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 networks are essentially bidding against themselves, you know, to buy those rights, and, and so it's a it's a little bit of a reverse process for the LPGA. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's so it's so confusing to me. It's it's all it's all a numbers game and and a and an accounting game. You know, we pay a huge rise fee, bigger, of course, for the PGA Tour than the LPGA Tour. And then, and then we get our, some of our costs offset uh, from a week-in and week-out basis. And I don't know where those numbers go or who pays them. I don't know uh, what, what goes into getting it on network TV from a financial standpoint. I just know scheduling and, and costs are two big elements. Do you have any, any idea when um, a, a tournament sponsor puts the money forward to take the broadcast from Golf Channel to network TV on NBC. Uh, do you know if like the the purse of the tournament gets affected by that? So I guess what I'm asking is if the sponsor gets asked to, or if the sponsor wants to take the tournament onto network TV, that's, that's going to cost more money. Is that just new money that sponsor is putting up or does that money get taken out of, you know, I, I would think the purse might be the, the most logical place, but d- does that money get, reallocated from elsewhere. Do you have any sense of that? Uh, just, I mean, a, a, a peripheral sense. Um, the, the, never in one case has it, has it taken away from anything in the tournament. It's just an add-on. Okay. Um, and again, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a different business formula from maybe what you're normally watching on the PGA Tour where, uh, where the tournament is in some way paying to get on network TV. Uh, every golf tournament costs money and somebody's paying a lot of money to televise and somebody's paying for it, uh, be it on, on cable or be it on network, be it on golf channel. 
or be it on any of the various networks. Um, the difference being, the only difference that I know of, uh, with again a very cursory knowledge of, of how this all works, is that uh, is that the business models are different, and, and that's all it is. But in no case have I ever seen uh, uh, an, an additional financial commitment from a title sponsor. Uh, take away anything from the tournament or the purse. The, pur- the purses are contractual when the, when the tournament's decided and added to the schedule. Um, they, they can always add to it. They can't take away from it and, and without being in violation of the contract. But uh, so that, that never changes from the day the tournament's announced and the contracts are signed, to my knowledge. And I, I think you hinted at this earlier, but baked into that um that cost, right? Uh, the, there's there's a certain level of production. Is that right? So so the LPGA, when when they're buying, whether it be on Golf Channel or NBC, you know, it, it comes with, I'm sure, X amount of hard cameras, X amount of you know roving cameras, probably you know X amount of talent. Is 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 that right? Where you know, the, the, I don't think that I don't think any of that's contractual. I think the only thing that's contractual again, I don't really have inside knowledge of this, but I think the only thing that's contractual is a a level of production quality. Oh, and that's the overall picture. They basically the tour and the sponsors have to be happy with the production quality, which does entail cameras, which does entail personnel, which does entail everything else. Yes, and they, I think. You know, they're all pretty savvy by this point. They know what they're going to get. They know what they're, what you know, what it costs and what they're going to get. And I'll put ours up uh, for dollar for dollar against anybody. And that's what, you know, I, I hope I made this clear on the on the front end. I, I think week in and week out, especially on Golf Channel, where the majority of the LPGA is broadcast, I, I think they're, they're very good broadcasts. And I, I think, you know, certainly comparing them to, I guess the most natural would be the PGA broadcast. They... They're just as good. Um, I think Mike Wan made a point again, referencing our, our interview with him the other week. You know, the, the LPGA, just in terms of the production capability, which I think would go back to the amount of cameras, the amount of people, the the amount of budget. I, he made, and I don't know if this was hypothetical, but he was like, for for every, you know, the PGA might have the capability to show thirty players right across across the course, whereas the LPGA, you know, is about half that. You know, we can probably show thirteen players uh, across the course. I can only imagine that makes Beth's job or, or whoever the, the, the producer is trying to find those storylines, trying to concentrate, trying to show the most important golf. I, I'm sure it makes it more of a challenge for, for you guys on the ground. Um, I don't know if what Mike said is accurate. Uh, just because I've done, uh, I used to do a lot of Thursday, Friday coverage uh, with other networks. Um, and there's only one other network that shows golf. So you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and their complement of cameras was pretty darn close to what we have for an LPGA event. Even currently, even though we're streamlined right now, we'd like to, uh, we'd like to have three cameras every hole, like Tommy gets to have at the players, and they have at the Masters. We would love that. Everybody would love that. But it costs a lot of money. Budgets are budgets. Uh, Comcast is in the business of making money. Um, we're an entity of Comcast, as is NBC. And, uh, and that's our responsibility. So like I said, we have to get the most out of what we're given. And, and uh, those decisions are made way above our head, along in conjunction with the sponsors and the various tours that we, that we, uh, that we cover. And that's all a you know, factor of economics that are, again, way past my pay grade. That that other network is not a fan of ours. We've been quite critical of, of some of their coverage. Uh, it's interesting you say that because – 
is is there much difference in the production, not LPGA versus the other network, but LPGA uh, production on Golf Channel, Channel and and on NBC? Yeah, between the LPGA and PGA. Uh. I don't know. I mean, yeah, the, the budgets are different. I, I'm pretty sure of that. And I know they are actually, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're different, but again, that's the economics of the tournament and the tour, not just a decision NBC and golf channel. It's certainly not a decision NBC and golf channel. Okay. Do you know they're on a current LPGA is on a current rights deal through 2022 when a new one begins? Um, I think the, the big headlines for the new TV rights deal is one, it was, negotiated uh, for the LPGA on behalf of the PGA Tour uh, just because they've much more experience negotiating rights deals. Do you have a sense of how things might change starting in 2022? Have you heard if, you know, if production budgets will go up or if there'll be more network television appearances for the LPGA? Do do you know anything about the the new television deal? No, I know it's kind of kicked in already on the LPGA. I'm not sure uh, in what way. I think it was a brilliant move of... uh, Jay Monahan and Mike Wong to make that connection and put them in a, in a better bargaining position. Probably uh, our, our CFOs at Golf Channel NBC <laughs> didn't like it, but I don't know. I know obviously rights fees went up. Uh, that's, I don't think that's a secret. Nobody knows what they are. At least I don't. Um, so that'll be healthy for the LPJ and their purses, which is probably to me priority number one, as opposed to getting it more on network. Pri- priority one to me is, is getting the purses to where, there's not uh, to shrink the disparity between men's and women's pay for equal work. Um, like again, we, we corporate America pays lip service to it, but it's, it's walking the walk along with talking the talk. Um, but I don't, I don't know the specifics of it. I don't know how coverage is going to change. I know I mentioned Ben Don before and an entire team behind him who are, who are dedicating every waking moment to figuring out ways to improve our coverage under the constraints that were given by tournaments and, and tours and, uh, and what have you. Um, and it's not easy. It's, you have creative ideas. I have creative ideas. Well, I've creative ideas. How do we bring those to fruition and still operate within our constraints? Um, and that's going to be, it'll be interesting to see if coverage changes or how it changes. But, uh, I know a great deal of energy is being put into that on a daily basis that behind the scenes that, um, I just, you know, I hear, I hear stories here and there about how this or that could change. And, and a lot of it's exciting. Well, I, I have, I, I don't know. These are, these might be a little scattershot, but I, I have a few more questions if you don't mind. Um, and I don't know if you know the answers to these or not. Do you know if it's similar, similarly profitable for NBC to broadcast an LPGA event as opposed to a PGA event? Do they have mechanisms? Is the commercial low greater to maybe make up for less eyeballs? Do, do you have any, uh, insight around that? No, I'm not. The commercial, the commercial load is pretty standard across the board for a standard event. It's usually okay. eight minutes, a half hour, 16 minutes, an hour. It's between, uh, it's between 17 and 15, almost every hour. Now, of course, that's average for the three or four hours. I think when you, you make note of some of the, some of the bigger broadcasts, uh, you're, you're looking at a bigger team, um, but you're also looking at more hours and more hours makes every broadcast feel bigger. Every broadcast feel bigger. Um, and yeah, we, I, I, I yearn for the day where, where the LPGA is able to get to the point where if somebody's hitting a shot, I can pull out my phone or my iPad and watch it. 
you know, like you can do on PJ tour with a couple of groups with PJ tour live. I yearn for the day that, that, that then, uh, starts getting them in the conversation of, of legitimacy against the men. Also, if we could get a sponsor to come in and pay for shot, like I think, from a yeah. golf fan standpoint, those kinds of stats are huge to, to get that equality there. But the, the primary source of the equality for me would be in pay. Um, just because, I mean, there are so many LPJ players that aren't the stars that you see on TV that are out there with cards, either cards or conditional cards or playing Symmetra Tour, who in the offseason, uh, you know, if they don't have the backing, they're finding ways to raise money. They're, there's some that go, they caddy here locally to make money at the Ritz or, or one of the other courses that has caddy. Um, and I think that's, that's just, you don't see much of that at all in men's golf until you get at least down to the mini tour level. Uh, but um, no, in terms of profitability, I don't know uh, the answer to that, but I know the commercial load is essentially the same. What do you say to people who would, would hear you say there should be less disparity in the in the purses, I, I think the the most natural response would be, "Well, Jerry, you know, so many more people watch the PGA Tour, isn't it simply supply and demand?" I l- let me let me tell you, I I agree with you, and I I can explain why I agree with you, but I, I'm just curious. I, I'm sure you've gotten that, or you know that that sentiment has has been voiced in in some capacity. What what do you say to folks thinking that? Fourteen percent of media coverage of sports is women's sports. Um, is it the chicken or the egg? I don't know the answer, but I, I'm pretty sure, and I don't know this for a fact, I'm pretty sure when when an LPGA broadcast is on, on uh, and it's apples and apples when it's on network, that their numbers are pretty darn close to a non-Tiger, perhaps non-Phil event on the PGA Tour because um, they're golf fans watching. Uh, when you go to the network, sometimes it can be a largely different audience where the avid golf fans going to going to watch golf channel, but the passive golf fan might not channel surf through it, but they'll catch it on network and sit and watch if they like what they're watching. So I think the numbers are pretty darn good when they, when, when you're comparing apples and apples. Uh, and, and, and if that's the case, then profitability would be pretty similar as well to the network and, and to, uh, to the tour as well. But, um, yeah, that's that's all I got for that. Yeah, and I'll just add, you know, I've I've thought about that as well, and I, and I think where I net out, I, I think it's important for folks to understand, you know, the, the the men's game has had literally every advantage, every head start since the beginning of time, right? I, I think uh, to to put kind of a fine point on it, um, you know, folks like Bobby Jones and Gene Sarazen, you know, people that that any golf fan would would know the name, right? That they are competing in U.S. Opens before women had the right to vote in this country. And, and so you just think about every head start and every advantage that the men's game was, was, was able to have compared to the women's game. And so I, I think it's unfair to just take ratings today, right? To cherry pick, well, look, more people watch this men's event than they watch that women's event. It's like, well, yeah, I, I, right, but but you know, look how conditioned and and look how the opportunities the men's game has had to to be in front of people and to be broadcast, and and the women's game just simply has not had that those type of opportunities, and and so I think that leads me into the the women worth watching campaign that the U uh, that the USGA launched last year. While I I agree with it, and I certainly. Um, 
fully agree with the sentiment. I'm I'm a little bit nervous in in it just being simply marketing talk. Um, but to, to to I guess to wrap the point, I I think it's going to take some power brokers, whether that be the USGA, whether that be NBC Sports, whether that be the Golf Channel. Somebody's going to have to either make a little bit less money for a little bit of time or, or make a significant investment to try to level this playing field. And I, I'm really curious to see what happens. I, I'm a little bit cynical that it's going to be very easy to roll out this marketing campaign and to not really put the hard actions. You, you said earlier in the podcast, you know, KPMG is, has walked the walk when it comes to putting on an event and elevating the women's game. And I just think it's going to take more of those types of people. And I'm looking at the USGA. I'm looking at even the PGA Tour. I'm looking at Golf Channel, NBC. I want to see something from, from those folks, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, not just KPMG, but CME. Uh, CME exactly. Maples, yep. they, 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 you know, they walk the walk. AIG with a huge purse. Uh, Evian in uh, in france they too they uh, we're seeing more and more of that type of ceo decision being made in favor of the lpga uh and and you're right it's going to take more and more of that in the future till we get to that point but i think that the ball is rolling in that direction i think societally uh it can't help but roll in that direction because of some of the observations you made um but yeah, it's it's not going to be easy. It's a huge uphill battle. Whoever the next commissioner of the LPGA uh, comes in and does it, they they have their work cut out for them. But I know that'll be a high priority. I know whoever comes in and replaces Mike Davis, that will be also a very big part of of their edict is the is to to lessen the disparity. I'm not going to say equality because that really only happens in professional sports at the women's grand finals in tennis or the grand slams in tennis. Um, but other than that, to, 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 to make it uh, at least if nothing more than for optics appear a greater uh, sense of equality. And that's where uh, two things you mentioned tennis. And I think that's a wonderful example. I, I think what's interesting about the tennis grand slams, when you think about Wimbledon, the U S open, all, all the grand slams, it is a – it's truly a co-event with the men and women. I don't flip on the men's the U.S. Open. Course. Right. I don't flip on the men's U.S. Open in September and then flip on the, the women's U.S. Open in, in, you know, in December, right? It's, it's happening at the same time. Um, I think that's where golf is at a little bit of a disadvantage. And, and it's curious, though. I, you know, I know Pinehurst did the, the back-to-back U.S. Opens a, a few years ago. Um, but that's something that's a little bit intriguing to me is is if if some of these majors could be I, I guess really because you have you know different organizations, but um, if some of the majors could be staged concurrently to, to to kind of make it one in the same with the with the men and the women. Um, yeah, and you know the, 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 I think the dream of anybody who would be in charge of the LPJ tour would be for something to happen like that uh, at Augusta. Now, obviously, their commitment to amateur golf is is, is rooted in their founding and and the the Augusta, Augusta National Women's Amateur was a huge step forward for them and for women's golf. And and I know the course is is got constraints in terms of uh, how long it's open, when they have availability, weather, what have you. But if if somewhere down the road, 
um, that move was made to have an LPJ major. Um, and that, that'd be, I mean, so far in the future, long after I'm done walking and talking, but, uh, that, would, but, but let me, let me, that, let me interject that, that more than anything, that more than anything would transcend the, the, uh, the perception I, of legitimacy. I, I totally agree with you. And I, I guess I, I'm not pushing back against you, but, but, but I hate that sentiment where, oh, that's going to be so far in the future. You know, I, honestly, Augusta National is maybe the most powerful. If they wanted to be, they can flex and be and be the most influential body in, in the game of golf. In my opinion, um, we we saw them put on a, a pretty good Masters tournament in November this last November with with the men's being rescheduled. You know, keep that November time slot and make it the women's Masters. I I, I just think it, it's gonna take. An organization with with real power, real influence, real money to to get this ball rolling. And, and you mentioned a bunch of them and, and sponsors that are that are doing great things now. But it's like, man, it depresses me to think about like, yeah, Augusta National could do this, but it's likely not going to happen for another forty or fifty years. Like that, I, I don't know. That that kind of bums me out. I was saying that to be nice. I, I hope it happens tomorrow. <laughs> I, hope, I hope Fred Ridley makes the announcement now. Uh, Fred Ridley has done some great things up there, and and his. Uh, uh, basically taking over the, the uh, women's athletics golf program at the university. I don't remember the name of it there locally. It's just so inspiring what they've done. Um, they run one tournament. Well, they run now. They, obviously, there's other things around it, including the Augusta National Women's Amateur and the Dry Chip and Putt. Um, but they and, – and, and they obviously do pretty well with it. I, nobody knows the finances, but they do well with it. Um, but uh, – I don't know if they could be ever viewed as the most influential in the game of golf when you have the, the RNA and the USGA, the PGA Tour, uh, all carry a lot of weight. Um, and they, they own the other 51 weeks of the year. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it would be neat. It would be neat. And, and I, I, I think we all wish anybody, even the non-LPGA fan, would, love, would wish for that to happen. Oh, and, yeah. And it would, be, it would be enormous. It would be absolutely enormous. I, I, one of my secret wishes is if the Augusta National would introduce a, a, a standard rolled back ball that, that people have to play for the Masters. I, I just think they could, and listen, there, there's, there are members. I, I feel like the, the Augusta National, you know, they, they have tentacles in, into the RNA and, and into the USGA, certainly. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, I don't think I don't. I mean, we're all kind of off subject with, with the point of this, this, this. But I don't think they they have any interest in doing that. Quite honestly, um, why? I mean, it, from a purist standpoint, yeah, we all love to see the ball probably not go so far and make these courses obsolete. But uh, you know, huge factor of that was the Pro V one ball, the solid ball, and then uh, obviously allowing spring like effect in the club phase. Those were two. I think mis- not the solid ball is not a mistake because that's been around forever. Um, but the uh, making it a spinnable solid ball. Um, but the spring-like effect, I think, was a huge mistake. But um, they don't want their ever want their tournament to be viewed as, in my opinion, I've no idea. I've said hi to Fred Ridley walking past a couple times. Um, I don't think they want their tournament to be viewed as an asterisk by any standard because it's not. It's the one we all look forward to the most year in and year out. It's our annual rite of passage or, our, you know, uh, every spring hearing that music and hello friends and nothing gives you chills more than that. And I can't wait for it again this year. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think they have any interest in doing that. I, they're going to have to keep buying land, which, you know, they, they have the money. Uh, God bless them. I, I think, 
it's going to be really interesting seeing the next uh, British Open at the old course and how obsolete that's that course is getting in a hurry. Uh, but but you're right. This is <laughs> this this is off topic. I, I got fired up. Um, what my, my last question I had written down and and uh, you've kind of touched on some, but I <laughs> you probably have no interest in being the commissioner. But let's say Jerry Foltz is is named LPGA commissioner um, tomorrow. What's something that could be done immediately? What's something that could be done in the next year? And then what's something that could be done in the next 10 years, in your opinion, to uh, to better the women's game and wow. kind of how it's presented and, and how you can get more people invested in it? I hadn't really thought of that question. Um, the first thing I would do if I were commissioner would be to talk Mike Juan out of retirement, <laughs> whatever it's like, to talk him out of retirement. Because I honestly think he's the best commissioner I've ever seen in professional sports. Uh, I know Jay Monahan, Tim Fincham are incredible at what they do, but I'm closer to Mike. I, I get to see his work firsthand. I get to see the relationships he's cultivated and the loyalty he's cultivated amongst those sponsors and those relationships. Um, that would be my first order of business. After that, if they made me commissioner, uh, first of all, there'd, I don't know, there'd probably be more beer carts on the course. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Um, in the, in, the, in the near future would be to solidify all the relationships you have. That's what the new commissioner is going to be tasked with doing, is to solidify them. Um, make those sponsors happy, whatever it takes to make them happy, to keep them on the schedule, to keep them committed, and fans of the LPJ Tour with the product they're given, which is fantastic because all the players buy into a person uh, on the LPJ Tour. You get frowned upon by your peers if you don't go to a pro-am party. Whereas on, you know, in men's golf across the globe, it's, it's kind of hard to get guys to show up because, you know, they've got a lot of demands on their times and, and, uh, and it's a different world out there. Um, but to, to solidify those sponsorship, get them on board long-term with a commitment to grow as the tour grows from a financial standpoint, and then to go out and get in those, you know, those board meetings and, and show them the products, show them the results, show them the bang for the buck they get from a branding standpoint and a marketing standpoint and an entertainment standpoint for their clients and for their, for their uh, associates and their staff and, and convince more of them to, to do exactly what Terry Duffy has done. John Viemeyer has done the USJ is doing AIG has done um, to walk the walk and, and that it's not only good for, for their brand, it's also good uh, moving forward for equality, not only in the workplace, but in uh, in society in general. Amen. Um, Jerry, I, I can't thank you enough for, for making the, the time and for, you know, just being open and, and willing to take any question, take my complaints and, and give me honest, thoughtful answers. I It's so very much appreciated. My pleasure. I, I wish I knew more about the financial aspect to be able to help you with that. I honestly have never had uh, much of an interest in that because uh, I, I'm just thrilled that they keep paying me nicely to do a very easy job that I love. Uh, and being along with you guys is great. Anytime you know that, I love what you guys do. Uh, your first podcast I listened to was Club Pro Guy sure. and uh, maybe the greatest podcast in history. And uh, and he's now a friend and I, I love him. And, uh, and you guys do great work. And, and, and your place in the marketplace is real. Whereas when you guys first started, a lot of people doubted, how does, how does this work? How is it going to work? It, it was non-conventional media. And your place out there is real. And speaking to you is speaking to the people directly who watch golf on TV a lot. And that, uh, that means a lot to me. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. 
Yeah, uh, and and thank you for those words. And I and I guess from from our perspective, you know, I've I've called on other people to walk the walk when it comes to equality and and showcasing women specifically. And I would have you and and everybody else listening. Um, you, you need to judge us on our, on our actions as well. So I, I want I want folks to know. Um, I feel comfortable maybe being critical because I, I'm. I, I know our commitment from a no laying up perspective. And, and so I, I think, um, I, I hope it doesn't come off as just, you know, sitting here in, in my chair with, with the microphone and just lobbing grenades at other people. So I, I invite people to, to certainly judge us um, with, with the same standard uh, when it comes to our, our content. So I, I wanted, I felt like that was worth mentioning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have come a long way, and that's really cool. And 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 your uh, the the attention you give uh, uh, women's golf doesn't go unnoticed. Trust me, by everybody uh, uh, to the highest level. Well, thank you. I uh, it's been revelatory for me over these last five years. Honestly, as as this has become a full time job for me, um, it I would <laughs> I would much rather go to just for an enjoyment sake. I would much rather go to an LPGA tournament uh, than a PGA tournament. I think I, it's. That that brand of golf is so much more relatable and interesting to me than you know. I watch PGA events and it's just I'm in, I'm impressed by what they do certainly, but it's not relatable at all. It's it's a different it's a different world. So um, well, to, me, to me, the LPGA is not that relatable either because literally they don't miss fairways. I have no idea what that's like. I hit the same distance they do, and they don't miss fairways. Well, that's just that, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and that's that. Of course, it's but it's interesting in that. Oh, you know what? I would probably hit a seven iron from that number as well, but they're going to hit That's it to three mark. feet and I'm, I'm missing the green. Um, so it's just like, man, if, if I were as good as I possibly could be, you know, there, there are more similarities with, with myself and LPGA players than certainly like right. myself and Rory. <laughs> Not to drag this on too long, but let me tell you a real quick story. Um, it was about, uh, what, 10, 11 years ago now that Jack Graham, my then boss, uh, who just retired this year and, uh, and he, it was great to me, and, and he was a great guy to work under, and, and a boss that you always felt had your back. I'll miss him. Um, but he came to me, sat down over, a, well, let's just say a, a beer. At, uh, it, we were in New York somewhere, and he said, it was late in the year, he goes, he goes uh, I got an idea, and I want to run it past you. He goes, I want to make you, uh, I was out, I was doing play-by-play on what is now Corn Ferry Tour event and on course on PGA Tour. I would do play-by-play on PGA Tour or on course or, or any job. And he said, I want to make you our lead on course announcer for LPGA. His, his, his idea, his mindset at the time was bringing a male voice that might have established a little credibility amongst the viewer um, to the LPGA who is not going to be a cheerleader for the product, who's just going to be a fan of golf and call it that way, would increase the credibility the viewer sees amongst the females competing uh, and not, you know, because if there is always a tendency when you're, when you're covering the LPGA to sell the viewer on the LPGA and not be as critical of the players. We And I think in the last 10 years, we've gotten well past that. We cover it like in the same breath that we cover men's golf and, and the same perspective. Uh, but anyway, that's beside the point. He, he said, what's your answer? So he didn't ask me a question. He said, you told me what I'm going to be doing <laughs> next year. And, and okay, I go, you know, I'm going to, I wasn't that excited about it because I loved what I was doing. I loved being part of the Corn Ferry Tour because that was the biggest part of my professional life, um, playing-wise. 
And I wasn't thrilled about it. I did my first tournament and then my second tournament, I went out, it was in Southern California and I went out and we were on the air for two hours or two and a half hours for the final round broadcast. And Sandra Bell was going against a world leader at the time, G.A. Shim. And I went out and I just got caught up in it. And I walked the entire way, two and a half hours before we're on the air. I'm out there walking, just watching because it was so compelling to me. And I called him that night and I said, Jack Graham, moving forward on my next contract, LPGA coverage is going to be a part of it, that I can get to work the LPGA anytime it's on our air. Uh, and if not, I'm not signing. And I think that tells you what you need to know about the LPGA from, from my heart, my perspective. And uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's cool. It, it seems like it's, it's like the light bulb. I, that, the, the light, the light bulb went on for you years ago and I'm, you know, I feel like a little bit evangelical the, the light bulb went on for me, you know, more recently, two, three years ago. And I think, the more people can get exposed to the women's game, I mean, that, that realization is just going to happen for so many people, both men and, and bringing more women and, and getting them to be golf fans. I, it's just, I'm excited about the future and I, I hope, um, try to remain optimistic. I, I just want to try to push uh, so, some of the big, bigger resources, bigger, bigger power brokers within the game to, uh, to, to really meet the challenge. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm keeping you too long. So Jerry, for real this time, thank you so much. Um, and let's, uh, I'm, I'm going to take you up on that offer. We're, we're going to get together hopefully sooner than later at, at an LPGA event. Oh, well, I'm off for the next uh, four weeks. So if you get bored, uh, I got a truck that I don't mind driving because I drove the entire year and never got on a plane And uh, last year. So I'll get up there. We'll have a beer. We'll play some golf and we'll, we'll solve all the world's problems. Beautiful. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke.